The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And today we have a special panel to, uh, here tonight. Uh, you're all very special. Joining me today on the <laughs> panel are Thomas Anerho. Hey, Thomas. It's good to be here, Dom. And Jack Berzini. Hi, Jack. Hey, Dom. And Father Corey Stika as well. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. So we have a uh, slightly larger panel than usual this time because we have a special topic we're going to be discussing. A few weeks ago, I watched on Netflix a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Everyone had been talking about it. And so I said, uh, you know, I'll check it out, see what, what what's up with that. And I watched it. And I said, this is definitely something we need to talk about mm. on Secrets of Technology because this is right, right up our alley. So uh, I threw it out there, and so uh, you all watched it uh, as well. And so that's what we're going to talk about. And uh, one of the things, I, I, just as a sort of a preface to, to the discussion, um, first I want to kind of describe what the, what the documentary is, is uh, how it's kind of structured or what it's basically mm -hmm. to, to describe it, is they have a lot of these former executives, engineers, people from a lot of Silicon Valley social media companies. You have a former senior VP of Twitter. You have engineers from Facebook, the guy who co-invented the like button, which is a thing. <laughs> uh, you have, uh, you know, so a guy used to work on uh, Google uh, Gmail. Uh, you, you know, all of these people. The guy from, who invented the infinite scroll. The, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. which is an important <laughs> aspect of this. All these people, very influential people who are in the know. They're not, they're, they're, these aren't, uh, people who are, uh, what's the way to put it? You know, the people on the outside sounding an alarm, shall we say? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're not anti-tech people. Exactly. That's a big part of it. Is they're not, anti, the, you know, crazy, like, like digging in a bunker somewhere in, well, right. I won't say Montana, but somewhere else. Hey, <laughs> I'm all for digging into a bunker in Montana. They don't even have to be anti-tech. <laughs> but uh, so... And, and so they, what they talk about is so there's nothing really all that new at the no. top level of this documentary. We've known we've known for a long time. We've talked about it, that social networks use a lot of techniques designed to keep us in the network, to keep us scrolling, to to manipulate us, uh, mm -hmm. to, to keep us on their product, watching their ads and making them money. Right. I mean, well, is, we, we knew well, that. Is, right? it, is it funny? Just just last week, we talked about how did you know, how did Facebook know about the ad of a particular car dealer that was, you know, a thousand miles away from the person because a relative or an in-law had bought a vehicle from that dealership. Right. That's right. That's right. So and watching this documentary now, I have some better ideas. Makes sense. And I think I think one one important aspect before we start is this isn't a all tech is bad. Yes. You know, these aren't like, you right. know, you, you, every once in a while you, you, you hear of certain um, tech experts who basically just go off the deep end and throw away all tech. That's mm -hmm. not what this is. These are people that they ultimately want to see tech used morally, ethically. Yeah. Right. 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 And uh, and they all believe in it. That's that's the other thing. Yeah. Like I, the interviewer even pointed out that, that many of them, even in the things that they were saying where they were feeling very pessimistic. They were still sounding very optimistic, right? And and that does come across in in the way that they talk about things. Mm -hmm. It does. It does. It, in fact, at one point uh, near the end, you say to one of the uh, the guys you're interviewing, "You sound very hopeful." And he goes, "I do. I, I didn't realize yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. I, I didn't mean to be." But yeah, they they do make it clear that tech can be used for good. It's just um, how do they put it? The business model is the problem. Mm -hmm. It's not so much right. the technology, but the business model of a lot of these tech companies is yeah, the, the, how they call it surveillance capitalism. Yeah. Right. 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 And they talk about how the issues with the tech is not 
issues with technology itself. And it's not something that's inherent to the technology we have. It is mm -hmm. how the business has been designed around that. And that's something we mm -hmm. can change. Oh, I was going to say and also that it's not malicious, that these decisions that led to where we are now with the social media were not made to be malicious. It's just it was a slow, gradual step at a time, you know, uh, and eventually developed to this point of this monstrosity of this surveillance capitalism. There's there there is a strong undercurrent among people who are users of the of the websites who believe that oh it's designed to control us it's you know Big Brother it's all you know that sort of thing but really I mean uh, from my point of view and from the way they talked about it it sounds it, it seems to me that there was so much talk in the early days of monetization how is Facebook going to make money mm -hmm. how is Twitter going to make money that they said, well, how are we going to do this? And they and this was the the model they settled on. Because, right. frankly, we as users were not willing to pay for it. We weren't going to pay a monthly right. fee. You know, we weren't going to subscribe to Facebook or Twitter. <laughs> uh, and, and we were willing to put up with some ads or whatever, just right. like we did with, with broadcast television for all those decades. And that's what we thought we were getting. That was the bargain most people thought they were going to sign up for. It's interesting because we've we've kind of cornered all of the good peer-reviewed papers into a difficult position because we're still not willing to pay for them. And right. you know, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the 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 good sources of information that are actually reviewed, that are edit edited, and that have you know some sense of journalism still to them. We're still not willing to pay for them. They're behind mm -hmm. a paywall and we're not willing to engage with them. Right. And, and we do everything we can to, to block the ads on well, those websites. <laughs> right. Well, and, and, and the irony is that of these sites, because of the stuff that's being distributed on things like Facebook, we don't trust the traditional media mm -hmm. anymore. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, I'm not sure we trusted them a whole lot before, but yeah. <laughs> but definitely but not now. We trust them a lot less now, even. Yeah, it's true. I mean, the, there are so many problems of the modern internet that that are involved in this. Things like uh, the reason we don't like to pay for newspaper websites or news sites is because uh, we it's either a huge paywall. You got to pay a hundred dollars a year to make mm -hmm. units for it. And nobody wants to pay. You know, every newspaper they want to visit, a hundred dollars a year. It's not really feasible. So, so that's out. We can't figure out a way to have a good micropayment system. You know, so to, to so I, you know, I'd be willing to pay a penny or two or three to for each article I read. We haven't been able to figure that out. So ads were the only thing we could do, and then they inundate us with pop-ups and all kinds of crazy mm. flash ads and all that other stuff. So we start blocking the ads. I mean, it's it's. We can't figure out how to all this technology. We can't figure out how to make it work, <laughs> right? Um, you know, the right business model. And that's what um, there's a part in the documentary where they're at the hearing and there's the one guy who is speaking to Tristan about how isn't this just the next level of, you know, ads in the newspaper, ads on television? Isn't this just the next thing that we're going to encounter and we're going to figure it out? But I don't think that and what he's talking about is how this is so much more granular and the technology is there that you can completely target people, which you could not do mm -hmm. before with newspaper or with television. Right. You kind of got the same thing everyone else got. That's right. actually really good. A really good point is when they did advertising, they could kind of figure out, all right, the demographic generally is 18 to 49. Uh, they tend to be, you know, middle class, whatever. It's that sort of thing. So they right. direct ads at this giant group and hope they get enough of them. Now, because of the technology, they know exactly who you are. They know your preferences. Right. They know the sorts of things you like better. Sometimes in some cases I've, I've gone over this many times better than you do uh, mm -hmm. sometimes yeah. uh, before you even do. So, um, so that's, so I want to kind of jump back a little bit to, to the, the bigger concept. One of the reasons why this documentary is so interesting right now is as I was thinking about it is in 2019, we had a whole generation or two of people who had as their primary connection to others, so the very meaning of culture and connection, mm -hmm. social media of one form or another, okay? So, and I think some, one of the people in the documentary made that point is, uh, you know, in 2000, you know, last year, this was their primary means of cu culture and connection. In 2020, we made everyone stay home for months and months and dialed that up to 110. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. it, it's... It made this question, this problem, 
even more relevant in 2020 than it ever has been before. Uh, and it's right. something I think we need to deal with as a culture, as a society. Well, uh, and, and there's 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 an analogy that's been used for I've heard this for quite a few years, kind of explain the different generations when it comes to technology is the 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 digital uh, does it the digital foreigner, the digital immigrant and the digital native. Yes. And those right. who grew up, say, who were born, say, before about 1970 or so are generally yeah, 65, 70, somewhere in there. I can't think, you know, can't remember, can't remember what exact cutoff is, but, you know, kind of the, the baby boomers, the, the, and that generation before are considered digital uh, foreigners because all this technology developed after they were out of schooling. They're after their teenage years, they right. were off, they were having families, and then computers started coming into the home. Next generation is the digital immigrants. Uh, this is, I think, at least uh, three of us, I think, at least, or I don't know, Jack, <laughs> yeah. where, where you would, where your age group <laughs> falls in, but at least three of us are kind of in this range where we grew up with technology, but it was just starting to come mm -hmm. into the home during our lives. We were the first generation to get the home computer. Mm -hmm. We were the first ones to get uh, cable TV, you know, grew up with cable TV, things like that. Right. And then, of course, there's the digital uh, natives where these are the, the new generations, the generation after like Gen X and the millennials, where it's, they don't know a life without a smartphone. They don't know a life without Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and YouTube and all these other technologies. And that, yeah. that's the gap group that's growing larger. Right. And I, I like the um, Amber case uh, made an excellent Ted talk a few years back about the fact that we're all cyborgs now. And, um, <laughs> She's, she bills herself as a person who studies the fact that we are all cyborgs. And basically her argument is that we don't exist in a place where technology is not helping us live. And that's mm -hmm. the definition of a cyborg is that it's someone who, for whom technology is important to their very survival. And you really can't do without it. Uh, in, in modern, if you want to be a part of modern society, you will have right. some form of particularly uh, social connective device. Right. And that's like, I think I kind of, I kind of grew up in, in between the two groups. Like, uh, we had technology in the home growing up, but social media didn't really kind of hit until 2009, 2010, that kind of time. But even like for me, like I was a later teenager during that time. But mm -hmm. like, for example, I, like if I, if there were, if Facebook didn't exist, I would not have ever met my wife. So I'm in that weird <laughs> camp of like, I'm pretty anti-social media in terms of how, what a negative effect it's had. But mm -hmm. Without it, like major parts of my life would not exist. So mm -hmm. it's a weird position to be in. Well, that's that's one thing I love about this this documentary. It starts out by saying so much good has come out of this technology exactly. when it first started. And it really was. I mean, it really it really democratized. You know, information. You know, that was the big, uh, that was the big thing the internet was able to do. And I was kind of wistfully thinking back in the days of, you know, IRC chat and things like that on the <laughs> internet, you know, we were talking about yeah, uh, all these different earlier technologies, but it allowed anybody to be able to express their opinions, their ideas, <laughs> their thoughts, and that's good and that's bad. Yep. But it, <laughs> but you didn't have to have a printing press. Yes. You didn't have to have, you know, a distribution mailing list. It was just you posted it on Facebook and people who followed you saw it. Yeah. I think there's really like, there's a difference between we went from like message boards and newsletters and, you know, personal websites, things like that, where you had to seek out the information you wanted to now the right. information seeks you out. And I think that's really mm -hmm. where the break kind of happened. One of the things that they, they wanted to make a point was, is we often hear, you know, if you're, if, uh, if you're not paying for it, the service you are the product yep. like if you're you're, you're yep. not the customer you're the product mm -hmm. and this one guy that they interviewed jaron lanier who has become famous for the the anti-social media guy uh and, and he's kind of a character i mean you'd see you've, yeah. you've, you see him you've, you've know you've seen him before uh but he said he he makes a, a little distinction where he says it's actually even more subtle than that he says the the product isn't just you the product is the in imperceptible ways that they influence your behavior. If they can nudge your behavior a little bit, that's mm -hmm. valuable. I mean, all advertising is about changing your behavior, making you want to purchase this thing instead of that thing, or, you know, making you 
uh, crave a burger while you're watching the you know the news at six o'clock with you know Walter Cronkite. I mean, th- this is old, old, old uh, you know stuff. But it's even more so now. And the idea is. Be- with the vast machine that they have going, the, the these the servers, they could dial in the behavior modification influencing to each mm-hmm. user on a real time basis. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. it's not perfect. We've all seen the the you know why am I getting this ad for like, like <laughs> stuff yeah. that's obviously way off. I I don't own a dog. Why are you showing me dog stuff? That sort of hmm. thing. But po- the point I'm trying to make is they they they're they have a quote from the from the documentary. It says, we want to psychologically figure out how to manipulate manipulate you as fast as possible and in return give you a dopamine hit. Right? Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. And so the infinite scroll, keep you scrolling. What's the next thing that we can show you that will keep you scrolling so that as you scroll, you'll also see the next ad. And that will right. be an ad that you'll want to tap on because it makes you curious. And and what fascinated me with this is how many of these guys who were in the started all this admitted, yeah, I'd come home from work and I would be doing it. I would be susceptible mm-hmm. to the same behaviors yeah. and I right. would not like it. And that's something that, that really kind of shook me a little bit. Well, I think a lot of them, a lot of them also, they, they didn't directly touch on it. And I thought it was a really interesting point, though, that they came in with these addictions and they monopolized their own behavior and their own uh, weaknesses uh, mm-hmm. to make other people experience the thing in the way that they did. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Right. Yes. Well, and they had the, the, the Gmail engineer. Now, his, his name is spelled Tristan, but he pronounced it Tristan or something like that. Like I can't Tristan. remember exactly. Tristan. 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 <laughs> uh, he admitted, you know, like he was on the Google email team and he had an email addiction. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? Like, like you said, but, it, but then he had put out, you know, kind of this idea of, you know, what are we doing to make this not so addictive? And it just kind of went poof into the ether. You know, they, oh, this is great. This is wonderful. We need to talk about this. And then poof, it went off right. into the never, never I think land. That's what happens so much of the times with this kind of thing. Like, even like with myself, like I'll talk about how much. I need to stop using my phone or how technology is negatively affecting people's lives. But then I'll look at my screen time and it's still like two and a half hours a day. Right. Yeah. I was, uh, I had a power outage here today. We were talking about this earlier. Like uh, my power went out at eight, uh, due to the weather and didn't come back till 3 PM. And I was, you know, astounded. And, and I, frankly, I live in a dead zone uh, with AT&T or I, I get no service where in my house. Mm-hmm. And so I'm cut off and I'm like, this is really weird. I'm, I, I, I'm cut <laughs> off. I, I can't communicate with people. How does this work? I mean, I spent the first, you know, 30 years of my life without constant communication with people right. or 35 years, 40 years. Right. I mean, it's crazy. And they talk about that um, uh, in the documentary where they have the part where the kid, he gets his phone screen broken and his mom says, if you can go a week without using your phone, uh, I'll buy you a new screen. And they show him sitting in his room and he just... He doesn't have his phone. He does not know what to do with himself. He doesn't know what to do with his internal thoughts. And I feel like that's what we all end up with a lot of the time mm-hmm. where you don't want to sit and just think. And like, we don't know how to be bored anymore. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In fact, um, there's a blogger, Dar- Darwin Catholic, who's a very mm-hmm. thoughtful person. He's a good one. Yeah. And he was writing uh, recently about how uh, during the, he thought during the pandemic, I'd have all this extra time to do all these other things. And I'm not going to watch TV. I'm not going to binge watch. I'm I'm going to, I'm not going to do all these extra things. I'm going to spend all my time on, you know, this or that. And, and he, and he realizes he didn't use that extra time to do, like he's writing a novel and he's do, wanted to learn a language. He wasn't using his time to do that. He was just bored and was mm-hmm. spending his time on, you know, social media, just like, I wonder if there's anything new there. Scroll, 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 mm-hmm. scroll. Yeah. In fact, I find myself doing that, you know, yeah. myself. Mm-hmm. And I, well, I want to talk at the end about how the, how this, um, watching this has affected our own, uh, habits, behaviors, and desires right. of how to use the technology. Well, I'll leave that to the end, but, um, I, I, it's probably not a spoiler <laughs> to yeah. talk about it, but, uh, <laughs> but, but it is, it is very much where it's that, that dopamine hit, it's an addiction, um, what was well, it, it was, Sean Parker from who one of the guys from uh, what was the, he was one of the founders of Facebook, but he also did the the music sharing thing, the original music sharing 
Oh, Napster? Rapster. Napster, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he basically said, it's all about exploiting a vulnerability in human psychology. We've, well, mm. we've become addicted. Well, it's interesting because they talk about, there's a point where they talk about how, you know, the, just the notifications aspect of a phone. Uh-huh. Where you you pick up your phone and oh there you know it's, it's rolling it's pulling the slots you know it's pulling the handle on the slot machine is there gonna be yeah. something here I want to read is it gonna be something I'm gonna be interested in and I'm sitting in a chair where there's a coffee table or end table between me and my TV mm-hmm. and as soon as they get to that point and it's happened I've watched the show twice and both times I immediately look at the phone and I start reaching mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like and the it's one just, it's unconscious. Yeah, And it's like, it's just that thought of, oh, there might be a notification I should read. There might be something I need to worry about right. and immediately have that reaction. Yeah, And I, obviously, I don't grab it, but I still just kind of look at it and my hand moves about two inches and go, wait a second. That's exactly what he's talking mm-hmm. about. I had my phone buzz right when that part came on and I just instinctively picked it up and looked at it. I'm like, they got me. <laughs> well and that's i've i've taken to um turning my phone into uh onto airplane mode when i sleep because Mm. uh you know i even even if it's there away from me there's there's stuff going on the notifications are happening and you know i'm in i'm in some discord groups that are uh world worldwide groups so people Mm -hmm. are up in in the middle of the night for me it's the middle of the day for them and they're having conversations and uh, those notifications light the screen up and I know that affects my sleep. And oh, yeah. if I don't mm. shut it off, you know, I use I use my phone as my alarm, so I don't like completely turn it off. But I do put it on airplane mode because I know that I want to prevent that from infecting my sleep. Mm. And then I take that, you know, you know, you look at a, a, a documentary like this and you have to extrapolate that. What is it doing to the rest of my day, to the attention that I have for mm. anything that I'm engaged in? And for being present where I am rather than in this digital environment. Mm-hmm. Be mindful. Right. Like, just take a day and be mindful of every time you have that desire to, to, to pull it out and look at it. Where are you? What are you doing? You know, I know that yep. if I'm with my wife and we're going somewhere and I'm staying in the car and she goes in the store, because these days we can't both go in the stores and that sort of stuff. Or even before that. But, like, I, I pull out the phone, <laughs> you know? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, now I've, I've, I want to maybe bring my book with me <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and spend that time reading a book. In fact, frankly, I've been wanting to read more books, but that again, that's that's for the end. Uh, but we're all of an age. We're all, you know, adults. Think of what this they, and they go into mm-hmm. what this is doing to young people is what one of the uh, presenters or persons they interviewed said, we're training a generation to rely on a digital pacifier when we're feeling lonely, afraid, yeah. or bored. And if we mm-hmm. think it's hard, imagine what it's like if you're 14. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, and especially, when, again, talking about the, the digital natives who have grown up with this technology, where how many times do we see a parent where as soon as the kid starts making noise, immediately thrust an iPad in their face and say, watch this. Mm-hmm. Sure, right. And these kids are running around with tablets all the time. Yep. Yep. You know, and it, it's stuff like that where it's, yeah, it's just their, this is their life. This is all they know. They don't know life without this. And we've developed it more now because we've got this sense of remote schooling or uh, distance learning that's having to happen as part of what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that it, some of that, too, is there's still a disconnect between what the responsibility of the parent is and mm-hmm educating in educating the child how to effectively and healthfully use technology um because i you know we, we've we've had problems at the school that i'm at where we've had a kid that in the first week of school he sent 1500 chat messages to his friends oh and wow <laughs> it's it's because he's home with his grandparents not with his parents and uh yeah. they don't know how to moderate they he says he's doing school he's on the school app Everything looks above the board. They don't know what he's doing. They don't know how to monitor him. Um, And and so that that discussion about what is appropriate is not happening. And it's not their fault, but it does need to happen somewhere. Mm -hmm. So I should mention at this point, we we didn't mention before, but but we kind of alluded to this is a docudrama in the sense of Mm -hmm. running throughout the documentary. There's a dramatic narrative uh, a dramatization of a sort of typical family, you know, mom, dad, 
uh, and three kids of various ages, college, high school, and middle school. Um, it's a blended family. So they, I, I think, I, I think like, I forget if it's, it's a step parents or I forget what it is. But yeah, it's, it's a, a step, step dad. Yeah. So it's mom, mom with three kids and a stepdad. Okay. And, uh, and so you have this, this narrative playing out, sort of illustrating some of the points that they're making. Uh, there's could be some criticism of how the how well it illustrates it. It might be that distorts. aspect really fell flat for me, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think, but I think looking at it from the point of view of someone not like us, where we're not already in this world and we don't understand technology, I think it was probably effective for getting people mm-hmm. to understand how this is yeah. going to affect you in real life. Like yeah. for me personally, it didn't do anything, but I understand what they were going for. Well, the great irony again for those of us. You know, I, probably all four of us, we remember this, the after school specials, <laughs> yeah. come home and turn on the TV, you know, you know, one of the local channels and there was an after school special. And of course they were always very cheesy and very preachy and yeah, yeah, well, that, that, that kind of felt like that. Yeah. I do like the extreme center. I did like that. I thought that was, I yeah. thought that was clever and funny. The, 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 yeah. the political bad guys in this one were the extreme center. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but one of the things that really got me in that drama was the, the, the middle school girl like the her like uh, her addiction to mm-hmm. the attention the instagram stuff the needing that getting the feedback from her friends getting the, how many likes you get the negative comment how that crushes her and i mean she's like 12 you know it's like mm-hmm. kids shouldn't have to do this and one of the things that well, this older generation don't really get i don't think and why we need to get this is when we left school, you went home and you were at home and you didn't have all those kids with you all the time. Now right. kids come home and they bring it all with them. We t- talked a little bit about this uh, with Father Andrew recently about the whole cyberbullying problem. And they bring it home with them and seeing that poor girl crying in the bathroom as she's trying to take the selfie that her friends will like. I mean, it's just. It was sad. But the, but the twelve the twelve year old's not the only one dealing with that either. It's mm-hmm. all of us too. We take right. work home with us, and yeah. and you have to make a concerted effort to to remind the people that you work with. I am not on the clock right now. I understand mm-hmm. that you needed to get this piece of information to me, but that does not mean that I am beholden to respond to it until mm-hmm. I get into the office in the morning. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I work at a Catholic school and you would think it would be better, but it's not. No. It's the, oh, no. it's the no, same no, no. stuff. Worse. <laughs> <laughs> in some cases, yes, it can be. And um, speaking yeah. as a priest, it's much worse. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> uh, and, and I love the people I work with, but I do have to remind them from time to time. Hey, this is my family time. I can't have you. Mm-hmm texting me i can't even have you texting me because when you do it pulls me out of what i'm doing and i want to help you solve the problem and that that makes me feel guilty about my time with my family and that's not okay it's not okay for for that to be for something to have just happened and now it is a, a thing that i am guilty about right and that's that's the guilt cycle that we all get into where if you don't immediately respond to someone from work then you yeah. feel like you're not doing your job when that's a complete like assault on your privacy mm-hmm. and it's um interesting i uh i know someone who works a lot with adolescents and they watched the documentary recently and they completely agree with all these issues that are happening and uh, just how bad it can be even with they don't really touch on this in the documentary as much but like all sorts of the the dangerous things that can go on online mm-hmm. right and how easy it is for kids to access that and for people who want to hurt kids to access the kids now Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing that was really scary was the graphs they showed of the spike, the rise oh in mental yeah. health issues in adolescence mm-hmm. and the rise in teen suicide rates that coincide with the creation of Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, primarily. And just like, like, boom, like a, like a hockey stick. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy and scary. Now, now the, of course, there's always a phrase correlation does not always equal causation. However, right. this is something that has actually been studied, especially over the last five, 10 years. And there are I know I don't know any off the top of my head, but I know there are studies that have been coming out that that these graphs support, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that th- that what these graphs show, these studies are also seeing the same issues. So uh, one of the things that uh, someone said in, in the uh, that I took a note on was. They said technology used to be a tools-based environment. Technology was mm-hmm. a tool. We used it to accomplish things. But now the technology is using us as a tool for its own purposes. We are being used as a tool 
for a business model to make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is a key distinction. Uh, the, the other kind of the other way they phrase a business model, a surveillance based business model. They, someone else said an attention extraction business model. Our mm-hmm. attention is the product. And that's right. what everything is being manipulated to pull our attention, to drag it in. And not only does this create problems like for kids, but it also creates problems, as everyone knows, with mm-hmm. Adults and things like the politics of the day, the, uh, the you know, all of the 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 fake news, the news, the fact checking, all of these things are all part of this problem of the manipulation. I mean, just to point out one thing, like we often we're we're so siloed in the information that we're being given in these social networks is that when you see this information and you say, how could anyone not get this? I'm seeing this X about Mm -hmm. such and such candidate. If you don't see this and have your mind changed, you must be a bad person. Yeah. And they're seeing the opposite, you know, and that's what's really polarizing us. And what's been so upsetting about it, especially in the past couple of years is the way that has infected the Catholic world. I don't know if yes. you've all seen that, but the, it's things have become bifurcated in the same way that politics are, and that is not how we need to be. Right. right. We, we've, we've, I think, I know at least Dom and I have had conversations about this, and I think Thomas, we have as well, you know, about how certain people that, you know, maybe they were bloggers and we really respected what they had to say, you know, they had, you know, good insights or, you know, great intelligence or whatever, and then they just went off the deep end. Yeah. Yes. And it's because it got into these these echo chambers. And that's the tough part is, you know, that these the social media develops such great echo chambers where all you hear is your message. And I just want to comment really quickly. That's one thing I like about this. This uh, documentary is they didn't stick to a particular political persuasion. Right. Right. There were conservatives, centrists, liberals uh, to to the uh, political uh, leaders that they they showed interviews with. We're both Republicans. They also had uh, a, a conference or what the a Senate uh, hearing, including my Democrat senator from Montana, John Tester, mm-hmm. you know. And so th- I think I wonder and I almost wonder if they made a conscious choice of saying politics have absolutely nothing to do with this argument. Right. I think they knew they didn't validate themselves if they made it yeah. seem one or the other. Well, and because right. it's not about it's not about a particular view. And that's that's the thing that I think a lot of people, because we get so caught in our echo chamber, we think that it's that per, that political view that does this. Yep. It's it's that right. other that other group that is really uh, banking on this. But the thing is, is, it's not even about that particular view. What it is about, it's about the emotional response mm-hmm. and right. trying to ramp up that emotional investment that you have and so it doesn't matter what the political view is in fact it's it's completely uh irrelevant what the political view is what they're going for is what words can we put in here that are going to make our the most users have an emotional response right and then they've they've gotten it to the point where they know that this group likes these words and this other Mm -hmm. group likes these other words and so they're going to show the the news to those people based with those words that you know so you're talking about your clickbait titles that's exactly how it happens uh and and they use the words that are going to cause the most emotional response it also shows how with the internet anybody can make a facebook page and start saying whatever and so you have all these people who we consider authorities when they're just some random person who happened Mm. to get lucky and (laughs) knew how to work the system like we have so many people out there now who they're the authority on whatever subject but they're just they have as much authority as anyone else Right. They just have a, a, a taller platform to stand just, on to be right, heard. They just louder. speak loudly. You know, Father Corey, to, to something you were saying about like the, the certain Catholic personalities or, or whatever personalities yeah. who have really fallen off the deep end, you know, part of it is, is chasing the algorithm, you know, especially mm-hmm. if you're if you're if you've decided to make your living on these platforms like YouTube, if you decided to become a YouTube pundit or YouTube star, I know of a few people who, who had decided that. Oh, this would be a great way to, you know, really take my brand in a new a new direction. And you you quickly realize that you're not going to get attention. You know, you're not going to get anywhere. You're not going to make mm-hmm. a living unless right. you get viewers. And, the, and then you quickly begin to see, well, when I talk about this, I get 
this, you know, the dial turns up a little more. So maybe I should mm-hmm. talk a little more about that. Well, maybe I should talk a little bit more like that in this way. And maybe I should yeah. ramp up the outrage feedback loop. And mm-hmm. pretty soon you've gone like full on deep end into this. Like now you now you're not just doing it to get the views. Now you fully believe it. And you've become, you know, angry mm-hmm. Catholic pundit guy on YouTube or Twitter. <laughs> And the echo chamber definitely reinforces that. You know, yes, it's not right. just the algorithm. It is the people who watch the video because you'll get people who, you know, all of a sudden you can do no wrong and you can say nothing wrong. And so if someone, you know, if, if you challenge, you know, Father Corey, you're, you're really harsh in that homily and you'll have 10 people immediately jump on this person. How dare you attack him? He's a great homeless. He's the best homeless we've heard since Fulton Sheen, which, by the way, is not the case. But anyways, you know, <laughs> and that's going to feed, you know. Uh, you know, yeah. it's just, it really feeds into that, uh, so badly. And that's, that's why so many of these people, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll name one example, uh, father John Croppy. Yes. You know, he's yeah. one that mm-hmm. in this, and that, that really happened before a lot of the algorithm issues mm-hmm. arose. Right. It was in the last five years, like, like about four or five years ago, but yeah, they've, the, the algorithms have really progressed in that, in that time, but Since you're right. Then, yeah. yeah. But I remember the how the social media amplified the denial is, you know, when, when things yep. came up. I don't want to get too much into the individual, but I mentioned him as one particular illustration that's not right. recent. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But every time these things come up, they, they sort of follow the same pattern. And part of it is, is, I think, because we're in these echo chambers where we we have a hard time believing these things because we don't have access to all the information that we're not being given a complete picture. Uh, and that's where the, another part of this that, they, that comes up with, they, they talk about uh, false information. They've done a study. False information will spread six times faster on Twitter than the truth. Uh, we've created a bias system that makes fake news more profitable for these companies. Mm-hmm. And the AI is tuned to make more money for those companies. Ergo, mm-hmm. it's going to make fake news more prevalent it's just a fact well it's like when you're more angry about something you're gonna people are gonna spread it farther right and spend more time on on these networks you know talking about it well and and isn't there a scripture verse about you know your your itchy ears yeah about your ears are itching (laughs) for something other than the truth right right well you know what is truth is i mean we we've been talking about this question for a long time and if we can't agree on what's true as someone says in the documentary then we're toast because we're not mm-hmm. going to be able to navigate out of any of our problems. If we can't agree on even on what, what truth is, then right. we can't find a, there'll never be a solution to anything. And that's, that's one of the scary parts of this. I wanted to talk about their, some of their proposed solutions. And this is kind of where it did feel a little bit more political than the other places, because a lot of the solutions involved um, a particular viewpoint, uh, viewpoints on government and how government should be involved mm-hmm. in it. And and I don't want to get too much into particular political views, but the one of the proposed solutions is uh, regulation and taxation. So, and I thought this was an interesting idea. I'm usually not one for more taxes. That's just my <laughs> pol- particular political viewpoint, but um, they suggested a data usage tax on companies that tax them on the amount of data they collected, which would give them an incentive to get rid of as the data on us as quickly as possible to not hold on to it and hoard it uh which would make some of this less uh, you know available to 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 manipulate us what do you guys think of these some of these solutions that they throw out there i think that a lot of them sound good on the face of it but i could see them having a lot of loopholes and unintended consequences mm-hmm. like i feel like that the companies would just figure out okay we don't need to collect all the data what is the important data and they just collect that Right. Yeah. I feel like you almost need to have specific regulations about what you can collect and what you can do with it. I, I you know one example recently is there's the, the COPPA Act, the Children's Online Protection Act, and the only only impact that's had on YouTube is to make it so every time you upload a video now to YouTube, yeah. you have to click a this is child safe, this is not child safe. It's done basically nothing to YouTube. Right. But it it means the content creators have to spend more time. And they can be demonetized more easily, and yep. there's a whole a whole other string of fallout issues there. I think education is is really the answer here. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it comes back to the fact that we don't know what is being collected about us, and mm-hmm. 
and this is from a person who is very cyber aware, uh, who's very uh, in tune with this kind of stuff. Watching this made me immediately make changes on my phone. Mm -hmm. As we were, as I was finishing it, I, I went ahead and deleted the Twitter app. I turned off all the notifications that I'm getting. I'm still working on turning off all of the notifications that I'm getting. Yep. I'm, I'm fresh off my first watch here. So that's <laughs> just, you know, you know uh, kind of a, a reference point for it. But, um, you know, I, I've been constant, I've been toying with the idea of just getting rid of my Facebook for a while. And, uh, it even came up in the Slack channel that, that the reason that many of us are still on, uh, Facebook is not because we're on Facebook, but it's because other people that we feel a need to keep in touch with or feel responsible to are. Yeah. And yep. that's always been my argument for being on Facebook is that that's where people are. That's where we should be. That's where we should mm -hmm. be active. But I think we have to be more directed, all of us individually, mm -hmm. right. uh, on a, in, a, in a personal way, we have to be more directed in the way that we do things. And, and, the really amazing and kind of ironic thing here is that this could be the thing that saves the world, that mm -hmm. it really pushes us to that edge where we start thinking about not just what's convenient, not just what's easy, not just what's there, but about the greater good. So we, you know, I'm, going, I'm going all the way back to Cicero here talking about the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the summum bonum uh, and the 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 four great things that he brought up this is a stoic principle that then became part of catholic philosophy later on was wisdom uh temperance courage and justice mm -hmm. and if you can't evaluate the things that you're doing online against those four uh virtues then you should really be questioning why you're doing them it's interesting that today of course, as we're recording this it's it's the feast day of saint jerome and it's actually the 1600th anniversary of St. Jerome's death today. Oh, wow. And Pope, well, the only reason why I know that is Pope Francis brought out an uh, apostolic letter regarding St. Jerome. And of course, St. Jerome is known for having, uh, having a, a sharp tongue that will rival anybody on Facebook or YouTube <laughs> yeah, or Twitter. Right. I mean, if he was, if he had Facebook or Twitter, he would be, he'd probably have been banned five times over by now. <laughs> but he also was very charitable and loving towards those he did spiritual direction with, towards those he was working with, and immediately towards those he agreed with as well. But he had, he had both sides. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's one thing we do miss on the social networking sites sometimes is we see the, the, the sharp tongue side and we don't see the private, right. you know, charitable side. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's part of, part of the issue um, is learning how to control that. And, you know, and sometimes... Maybe just sitting down and saying, no, I really don't need to post that. Mm. Yeah. Yes. And I think um, <laughs> to your point, Thomas, about uh, connecting with people on Facebook, I think something that would be really good for people to do is when you're connecting with someone, you need to be meaningfully connecting with them. Like if mm -hmm. you're just seeing someone's posts in your newsfeed, that is not connecting with somebody. Right. Mm -hmm. So right. we need to make sure if this is actually a friendship that we value, we need to reach out to the person and speak to them as a person, not just as pixels on a screen. Right. Right. And I, I think Jaron Lanier brings it up in the in the documentary. He talks about YouTube. You know, don't don't just click on the, the video that was presented to you by YouTube. Mm -hmm. But the same thing can be said about your infinite scroll. The same thing can be said yep. about, uh, you know, uh, I, I like I have um, one of my friends who's really good at LinkedIn. He makes a point. He writes down each day of the week who he is going to contact on uh linkedin that that day and that's what he does he gets on he he writes a note to that person uh that is directed to them that's about them that's about what they're going through that's about maybe how he could help uh but it's very directed he's not just there to to watch the feed he's not just there to to kind of uh be part of the stream of things that's just going along he's there mm -hmm. to make a change and for mm -hmm. a purpose well, again, you know, how many times do we sit there? It's, you know, 11 o'clock at night. We know we should be in bed. Our eyes are bloodshot and we're scroll, scroll. And of course, the <laughs> scroll wheels on the mouse really don't make that much easier. You know, yeah. just scroll, 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 scroll. And just, you're just and you're staring at it. You're not even really reading the feed. Yep. You're just looking for oh, what's the next cool, cool video to watch or cat pictures or meme or. And you know, you want to stop. Gonna... You know, you want to stop. Yeah, but mm -hmm. You just can't stop. And it, that's the definition yeah. of addiction. So, uh, Thomas, you've told us how you've changed your behavior as a result of this. Uh, mm -hmm. Jack, what have you have you changed your your behavior at all as a result of watching this? 
Well, I actually, I got rid of my Facebook about six months ago, and it is one of the best decisions I've made for my mental health. Yes. Um, something else that um, I would recommend, and also um, I'm going to try to do more, especially after watching this documentary, is I'll take the weekends and not look at my phone at all. So mm-hmm. when I get home from work on Friday, put the phone in a bag, put it on a desk, something, hide it, and then not look at it until Monday morning. Wow. Um, And I'm actually considering getting like a burner phone as like a secondary contact phone and be like, hey, if you need to, if it's an emergency, use this number. Otherwise, talk to me during the week or I'll get cheap eventually. Cheap flip phone or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Um, And another thing I think that would be good to do is, um, like I was talking about earlier, about engaging people meaningfully is remembering that no matter what someone is saying online and however angry it makes us, they're an actual person with their own thoughts Mm -hmm. and their own feelings. And we have to understand that a lot of people may be coming from a place that we're not going to understand because they have different experiences from us. And so just like, you know, uh, what is it that uh, Bill and Ted say? Uh, Be excellent to each other. Be excellent to each other. Yes. Yes. And party on dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Father Corey, have you changed uh, as a result of this? I I have. um... You know, I, I did the I did the same thing where I shut off the, the the Facebook and Twitter tabs on my browser, Facebook, Twitter, and Reddit. Those are all gone. Uh, I pulled them off of my phone. I did keep Facebook Messenger, and only because that is you know a good way to get a hold of people. You know, you talk about you know using Facebook, but using it to make connections with well, that's one way to do it. Mm-hmm. Although it's still a very irritating way to do it. You know, yeah. it, it still can be very distracting and addicting. But um. And uh, what else is that? You know, and just getting away from that stuff. You know, the next next step, of course, is once you get rid, you have to replace. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, like right now, it's it's still easy for me to pull up YouTube and just put videos on in the background as I'm mm-hmm. doing things. Well, but YouTube can be is just as addictive as these other ones because, oh, I want to watch this. You know, I want to watch this. You know, right. like you mentioned, you know, Jaron and the, the guy, uh, guy from France who had made the. uh the the prediction model for youtube or the the suggestion model for youtube saying don't use that right you know and so one thing i've one habit i've got with youtube is now i'm trying to develop is go to my subscriptions yes Mm -hmm. you know because if you go to that subscriptions button on the left side of youtube it shows you the latest videos by everybody you subscribe to in you know most recent first so this is not prediction this is this guy posted. Now someone else posted. Now SQPN has posted. Now this group has yeah. posted. Now this, you know, so you might have to scroll through, but right. this way you're not using the prediction model. And that's way, that way when you've watched them all, you're done. Yeah. You know, you're not just going to the next one and the next one and being sucked in one after the other. And, and don't follow too many more. <laughs> one of the things I, I, so thank you, Father Corey, for, for what you were uh, doing too. So I wanted to just kind of mention what I've, on my end, I've decided that there are times throughout the day. I don't. I'm not on Facebook a lot during the day. I, I, I'm just too busy. But there are certain periods of the day where I'm on. Like when I first get up in the morning, um, I I I'll scroll through what's new, what are my new notifications, and I found like in the morning I could spend an hour just you know scrolling it, and I've decided no, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, mm-hmm. And in fact, when I have time to sit, when I have time to sit down, it's not with my phone or my iPad, it's with my ki- my Kindle, which is the, the mm-hmm. Amazon Kindle, the e-paper book that has no social networks and no notifications on it. And I'm reading. That's what I'm doing with it. And instead of, uh, in, in fact, that's what I did today when I had the power was out. I sat down outside in the nice weather because it had stopped raining by that <laughs> point. And I, I read a, a Harry Dresden book all day long, which was awesome. Uh, not the latest one. I haven't caught up yet if you're a Harry Dresden fan. Uh, so no spoilers, please. I'm on book 11. Uh, so and my wife just finished the latest one. So she's dying to spoil me on that. Uh, so, <laughs> but neither here nor there. Uh, but I'm also, I'm trying to avoid the Instagram scrolls. It can be just as bad. Instagram is a little bit of a trap because it's owned by Facebook because it's, oh, it's not all that outrage stuff. It's not all the, uh, you know, the, the, the people jabber at each other. It's just nice pictures. It's nice pictures. Yes, but it can also be uh, just as much of a what's next, what's next, what's next. And one of the things they keep brought up in the documentary is they know exactly how long you pause and look at each picture. They know mm-hmm. which yep. pictures you're pausing on, which ones you're scrolling past. So I'm ever more anxious to scroll past certain things <laughs> that come up on the, and I certainly don't go to the question mark, uh, 
not question mark the uh, the uh, search one where it's like random stuff. Don't like don't oh. go to the random page. <laughs> oh, Only yeah, look no. at the pictures from people that you are friends with. In the past six months, I am using the snooze button much more. Snooze for thirty days. Mm-hmm. I'm snoozing anyone that it's just uh, you know you're not feeding me. You're 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 mm-hmm. you're you're uh, revving the L rage engine. And if they come out more than once on the thirty day, I'm unfollowing. I won't unfriend necessarily. That that's part of that is because some of these people are family. <laughs> it would cause other problems. <laughs> but um, I will unfollow, and uh, yes. and my feed gets better. My wife tells me, like when I talk to her, about it, she's like, "But well, my Facebook isn't like that. My Facebook is I'm in groups with young moms, and I'm in group with homeschooling moms, and I'm giving they're they're coming with their pain and their worries and their frustrations, and I'm giving my advice and my experience, and my Facebook is much different. I'm like, yep." So she's using it the right mm-hmm. way. Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, so that's a big, a big part of it. And that's a point they make on the video is, uh, you know, you could have, and they show like the, all the five family members and they have very different Facebook feeds. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Facebook, mm-hmm. whatever the social media site is, it looks like exactly like Facebook, you know, and it, it's, they have very different feeds and people are, you know, one, th- it depends on who you, who you're sharing with and everything. And it was interesting. I was just thinking about this where we talked about, how it how the, the the algorithm tries to to fit what will get you attacks to i've got family members that are very different politically and i don't ever see their posts yeah. even mm-hmm. if they're not political posts right you know so that's that's that yeah. really does show what it's doing so one thing i wanted to mention just at the end of the, uh, as we kind of wrap up here i am cautious enough about this documentary that it's not perfect because i do want to point out that it the documentary airs is you know on streams on Netflix, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. A company that uses the same kinds of recommendation engines <laughs> right. and algorithms mm-hmm. uh, that are vilified in <laughs> that, this documentary. That issue came up in our in our house, yeah. <laughs> and it is suspiciously unnamed at all in the documentary. So take that for what you will. <laughs> I feel like they did have a few holes in what they were talking about. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Like they did not mm-hmm. mention a few specific things like Netflix being one of them. I don't think they also mentioned the cyberbullying aspect as much. They touched on it briefly, but I don't think they went into that as much as maybe they should have. Uh-huh. Um, right. I understand that, you know, you got time, but yeah. yeah, they didn't have anyone from Amazon on there either, which I thought that was an interesting, right. uh, an interesting omission. Well, given that you're the primary platforms that they were probably trying to sell the documentary to were probably Amazon Prime Video and Netflix, right. both yep. of which are very big on the algorithms. Uh, so, yeah, that it's it just have to have to, you know, there was one funny bit at the very end after the credits. They were like they, they post they threw up on the screen big letters. Follow us on social media and then <laughs> a beat. Just kidding. Go to our website and continue yep. the discussion there. <laughs> I thought that was I thought that was nice. amusing. Um, so I guess my bottom line is as long as it's more profitable for people to be sitting at a screen, staring at ads than it is for us to be out living rich and full lives, it's not going to change. I think that was a point made by one of the people in the documentary. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is about this. This is partly about bad behavior by companies, but it's also partly about our behavior and Mm -hmm. we've got to make decisions and not just the government ought to, these companies ought to, mm. we've got to make some decisions on our own as well. Right. And that's the, that's key. But we also need to make them in a, in a community based way. Mm-hmm. Right. So right. not, not just, I'm going to get off, but I'm going to go find people and we're going to do things that keep us away from it. And, right. and I'm going to find more people to do that with in, in a larger mm-hmm. setting. And yeah. the more people you can get to do it, the more of an effect it's going to have. Well, actually, Absolutely. a good example of that is um, a friend of ours, Father Corey and I, uh, Tom McDonald, he said, I've had enough of Facebook. He set up a a, a Discord community with mm-hmm. very carefully curated, very specific mm-hmm. like invitations. It's an open, like you can invite other people, but they have to be people who are committed to, you know, civility, uh, not getting in the outrage cycle, who are, or at least um, friendly toward discussions of faith right. and other things like that. Uh, and it's, I have to say, it's, it's, it's frankly, for the past couple of months, it's been one of the most pleasant uh, online yep. community experiences I've had in a long time. <laughs> so try yeah. to cultivate something like that. that that's for sure. Um, all right. So let's uh, wrap things up there. We want to hear from, from our listeners about their 
experience of watching this, if you've had a chance to, or your insights into social media and these issues. We and and any questions you have, we'd love to to address those in a future episode. Well, one last thing I want to mention, I got a kick out of uh, Steve Wozniak was in the audience in yes. one of the oh, talks, yeah. and I got a, such a kick out of that. <laughs> the Woz! I, I laughed about it, and everybody was like, who is he? And I'm like, it's the Woz, it's, man. It's the Woz. Everybody loves the Woz. This uh, is the better part of Apple. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but uh, we are going to go on to our picks of the week, and uh, so that, as a, our beloved part of our show. And so, uh, Thomas, why don't I let you go first with your pick of the week? All right. So uh, in trying to discuss kind of, and this one's a funny one, I, the way I came across this app, uh, in trying to discuss the ability of social to do something good, uh, I found this app, I don't know how, it was uh, a... It, it was a recommendation, <laughs> so I totally followed it off of based off of uh, the algorithm recommending it to me. But it's an app called In Love While Parenting, and uh, it is it's fantastic. It's uh, a nonprofit organization has made this app that is designed around trying to connect married couples, particularly with children, uh, and get them to think about their emotional health as a couple and as parents. Um, and it has been fantastic. Uh, we've uh, been going through a very rough patch in our marriage lately. Uh, and, you know, we've been, been through marriage counseling. We've been through private counseling. Uh, it, there's been a lot of stuff going on. And this has been a really refreshing way to sit down and talk with each other about a lot of the stuff that we were dealing with with uh, the counselor anyway, but not really making any headway on. Whereas when we've been able to do it ourselves with these kind of guided discussions, it's been really effective and mm. it's been a very great way to reconnect. And I recommend this, whether you're, whether you are in the best point of your marriage or not, you know, rockiest road or uh, highest mm. peak. Uh, this is definitely a really good app, uh, especially if you have children, because it talks a lot about thinking about how you interact with your children as well and how the family unit as a whole can lift each other up. Interesting. Nice. And it's on both uh, both environments. So <laughs> regardless of which side of the the phone fence you fall. Oh man! If you've got to help you if your family is divided along the the, the Android iPhone lines, I mean. <laughs> yeah, it would be it, it, would, it would have been horrible. But no, it's it's there. So both my yeah. wife and I have been able to download and uh, watch the videos and read the content and share. Excellent. Good. Thank you, uh, Father Corey. What's your pick? Well, speaking of the Android iOS uh, divide, no, uh, uh, actually, my, my pick is Android and it's Android 11, the latest and greatest version. Now, and, and I, one thing I'm disappointed about is Google has gotten rid of the cool names. You know, they had ice cream sandwich and jelly bean and all these other food based names, candy based names. I think they got tired of trying to figure out, you know, like, like what cue would you use for a dessert? You know, <laughs> yeah. but, but anyways, this is Android 11. And, you know, it's both iOS and Android have gotten to that point where it, they're more iterative uh, updates. You know, they're not, there's no big super mega flashy feature like there was in many updates, but there's a lot of little updates. And what, you know, one of the things that they do is you can do hold down the start button and usually holding on the start button is like reset the phone. Well, now on Android 11, it'll have some widgets there where if you've got like, I've got a Nest thermostat, I've got, you know, some of the Google home devices, uh, smart bulbs, things like that. I can all control them just by holding down the start button. I don't even have to, mm -hmm. or the, power button i don't even have to unlock my phone to turn on the bedroom light or to adjust my thermostat mm -hmm. things like that um google pay is also on that where you can set up your credit your credit card if you're at the store you just hold down the button pick the credit card snap it against the the nfc reader and it goes um things like that uh you know talking about the the doing the the uh enunciate the announcements and everything you know doing the the pop-ups and everything you can do it'll break out conversations from the rest of your alerts so that you'll just see like oh i just got a text message i need to take care of this oh that's just a notification from space weather app or something like that i don't i can worry about that later um so that's really kind of nice just to see those right at the top of the screen when you look at it you know because especially if you're waiting for a text or something like that uh, you know, of course, then they, they're doing more with privacy and security. Both Apple and Android are, are seeking to be much more conscious about that. So that's it's kind of it's kind of neat to see that they're actually being more serious about it. 
and, and you know, one thing I was looking at, uh, they do have the uh, health, uh, the, not not health, but the, the device, not device health. Like what I just blanked on the words they use for it, but how you use the device and how long you use the device and all that kind of stuff. And uh, it, it, they they show you here's how many times you've oh, you've unlocked your phone. Here's how many times you've got a notification. Here's how many how many hours you spend and what device or what apps you've used it in and things like that. So a lot of tools that can help out with. Uh, these kind of things, mm-hmm. you know, that, that, that we're talking about today. So it's, if you happen to have an Android phone, of course, this is the biggest complaint about Android because it's not just Google making the devices. You know, you have to wait till yours comes out. Of course, I've got a pixel four. I've got, you know, the, the, the Google <laughs> direct, official direct so, line to Google there. <laughs> oh yes. I, I got it. Like within the week it came out, it was like right away, but if you can get it, I, I encourage it. It, it. It's, it's really nice. It's run really, really well for me so far. Uh, and it, I think it looks pretty good. Um, and then again, some of these features that they've added to 11 are, are pretty interesting and they do a lot of good stuff. Mm. Yeah. The, what you were looking for was digital well-being. Digital uh, well-being. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that does sound interesting. Uh, and, uh, apparently the digital well-being has that bedtime mode, Thomas, like you were talking about where it, right. you know, it puts that yep. phone boom and switches the screen to grayscale, which is interesting. Kind of mm-hmm. time yeah. to go to bed. No, it's less yeah. interesting to look no, at. No, no color for you. Forget the, you know, dimming it a little bit reddish. It's like no color for you. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. Jack, what's your pick? Uh, so my pick is not a specific app or a specific service. It's just the general concept of if you feel like you have something to say, like if you're a creative, to like you want to start doing writing or music or photography or anything like that, rather than concentrating on your Facebook page or Instagram, start your own website where you can have your own identity and your own content. And that way everything is yep. curated and you're not just going to be part of an endless feed. Yes. I've had a, yeah. I've had a blog for 20 years. It, which it sounds weird to say that, but I have uh, <laughs> at betnet.com. And uh, uh, it's, while it's unwieldy at this point because it's so huge, the, the database, um, having your own place on the internet that's yours and can, no one can come in and fact check you <laughs> or, you know, or, right. or t- <laughs> say that your post about St. Augustine is not permissible, uh, yep. like I had last year, yep. um, that's your place. And I, right. I, I wholeheartedly agree you can use squarespace or wordpress there's a lot of different options mm-hmm. depending on mm-hmm. how granular you want to get with your control but it's not hard to do and if you feel yeah. like you have something to say or even if you just want to do it as a hobby like you don't have to worry about mm-hmm. other people's approval just you know yep. have fun with it agreed and I, I do i do kind of get the feeling that blogging or something similar to it is starting to come back i think mm-hmm. you know because as as facebook and the other social media really took off blogging just died or yeah. almost completely died and i think it's starting to come back slowly as people are realizing hey this is you know this isn't curated by facebook you don't have to worry about the algorithms right you know it's, it's right. what i post is mine yeah i agree uh thank you so uh, my pick this week is an app for your phone uh, if you have an uh for an iphone if you have ios 14 you know the big thing is widgets now everyone's doing widgets on their home screens i mean i'm so glad apple invented widgets on your screen for right. your phone yeah it's <laughs> android never had them before apple <laughs> they did. thought of that <laughs> but, but uh, I, i'm a believer and i've long wanted widgets. i have to i have to say i, I give it to android i wanted that to, to, to apple to do it for a long time and uh one of the widgets that i've, I've I've found it's really a, actually kind of cool. It's so simple. It's a sticky widget. So, you know, you have stickies, sticky notes. So you can mm-hmm. put a sticky like right on your screen and you can put anything <laughs> on it. You can just put text on it that you, that you need to remember a phone number, an address, uh, you know, just like a place to jot something down. I have I have uh, on my Mac, I have a, an app called Unclutter that I use for that. Now I have I can do it on my phone and it doesn't I don't have to open up an app to do it. I don't like I've, mm-hmm. that's what I've done in the past. Apple Notes or drafts or you know Evernote or something like that. But if it's just something that's if an ephemeral piece of information that I only need for a certain period of time and I can just quickly jot it down and it and it's there. Uh, so it's sticky widgets. Uh, so you can look for that on the App Store. Um, inspired by windows vista <laughs> <That's right. Yeah. laughs> hey sparky it looks like you're trying to write a, write a sticky note can i help you <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right i think i should do it we're going to wrap things up there uh we first want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology including daniel m daniel b 
Brian R., Catherine L., and Gregory S. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Technology and all the shows at StarQuest. You can join them by visiting sqpn.com slash give, and that keeps us from running ads and having algorithms and all that other sort of jazz. <laughs> uh, we're, we just rely on your uh, tax-deductible donations, by the way. We are a nonprofit organization. Uh, I just wanted to make sure we... I don't, I don't know that we, we, we bring that up enough, but uh, the SQPN, the StarQuest Network, we are a nonprofit, and we do this uh, in, in a nonprofit way, and so your donations uh, go the furthest that way. So uh, that's it from us. What did you think about the social dilemma, our discussion, anything we had to say? Uh, if you have questions, let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the, ironically, SQPN Facebook page. <laughs> it would be ironic to post it there, facebook.com slash Media. Or send an email to technology at sqpn.com, and we'll put links from our discussion and our picks of the week on our show notes at sqpn.com. If you've not yet done so, make sure you've subscribed to the show in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, your favorite podcast app, or go to the SQPN YouTube channel, subscribe to the show. Don't just let it be recommended to you, and then hit the bell to get notifications but turn them off the, on your phone only get the notifications inside YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do myself until next time Jack Barazzini thank you for joining me in sharing the secrets of technology thanks Tom Father Corey Stika thank you as well thank you Tom uh, Thomas Ho, thank you too it was a pleasure and once again I'm Dom Bettinelli thank you for listening to the secrets of technology on StarQuest <laughs>